Hello, Dave. All right. That's how uh, that's how we used to do it. That's how we started Sustainable back in episode one. Have you listened? Have you? That was the last yeah, time. Yeah, no, were you here. did. You did. You made me. You forced me to listen to the episode one. And it is. I can't do it. It's like hello. Oh hi. Yeah. Um, I'd like to talk about this. It was horrible. Anyway, hello. Have, hello. This is Sustainable. It's number fifty. Yes, it's number fifty. Number fifty. We are still here. We are your friendly little environment podcast, all about people and the planet and why it's all so confusing and can't people talk some sense? And what have we got coming up this week? Oh, Fallout, Dave. We have got some Fallout. We are going to be talking about the Fallout from that steel hoo ha, which has been going on in the United Kingdom. Uh, we're going to be talking about nuclear fallout, but in pigs. So maybe they will fly. Who knows? Uh, going to be talking about how my bottom fell out uh, <laughs> when, when I, re- <laughs> I read a thing about how apparently we're sending nuclear waste to America in exchange for cancer or something. Uh, and we're also going to be talking about how all of our listeners are going to fall out with us because we promised to be cheerful in this episode. But uh, we're not. We're not going to be. <laughs> um, looking forward to that. Uh, as always, the tentative disclaimer that we do work for environmental charities somehow by the grace of God. Still, but these are very much our own views. So if you have any beef with anything we've said today or in the last forty-nine episodes, don't take it up with anyone but us. Okay, out we fall. Sustainable of the week. So, Sustainable of the Week, this is the bit of the show where we have a little look at the nonsense, the bluster, the brouhaha on the internet, usually said by people trying to sound green but failing. Um, Dave, listen to this. This is a landmark deal to turn nuclear material we no longer need into a cancer-fighting treatment that could potentially save many lives. What? Waste? What? Nuclear waste? Yeah. Uh, well, listen to this as well. It's a win-win. We get rid of waste and we get back something that will help us to fight cancer. Thanks, Arabella, but I don't understand. I don't think I understand either. What it sounds like is that we've, we've got a load of nuclear waste in Scotland and we're sending it to America... And they're sending it to Belgium. And that helps cancer. So, um, this is extremely odd, right? So, at the uh, Nuclear Security Summit in Washington, which happened ever so slightly uh, two weeks ago, but basically last week, eh? um, your man, your Prime Minister, Mr. Hamface, David Cameron, stood up um, and he said... Well, all that, really, pretty much. Or at least that was the gist as summarised by a government source and in a press release. An anonymous Arab- government source, yes. Which Arabella <laughs> so kindly read out. Um, and basically what's happening is, up in Dunray, there's a whole load of uh, highly... Where's Dunray? Dunray is that place, I told you about it, where I went for a cup of tea. Oh, that's the place? Yeah, is I went it? for a cup oh, of tea. Um, so it's a, nu- a nuclear power station. Well, a, a finished, a Kaputsky nuclear power station up on the very north coast of Scotland where there is an awful lot of wind. 
Um, and it, it sits there now and you can have a cup of tea in it and they're busy working out what to do with all the stuff that is left in it and you can go to the visitor centre and see. And one of the things that is left in it is highly enriched uranium, which mm. is what you get left when you've done some nuclear stuff and then you've got some uranium at the end of it, basically. It is it is not safe. You wouldn't want to drink it or eat it or whatever you do to it. <laughs> There's a picture on one of these articles of someone holding what looks like a sort of coconut, half a coconut shell, with a with a load of highly enriched uranium in it, and it's so. How can that be so bad? And apparently, it's very. It very is bad. very bad because what it is is what is going on here. It is very bad. If Mr. Kim Jong Un or Mr. ISIS or someone else who didn't like us very much got hold of it, they could make a bomb out of it and they could drop it on our heads, mm. and that wouldn't be very good. So basically, that's what you make your bombs out of, right? And we got loads of it up in the north of Scotland, and uh, it's not a good idea. So we got rid of it. But why? Why is it going to America? In order to go to Belgium, in order to fight cancer. Well, <laughs> every every That's step of this, I don't understand. As I understand this, there is an article on Wired.com, which is very good, um, which explains this better than me. As basically what is happening here is every step of this gets a bit more tenuous, right? So we have some highly enriched uranium in Dune Ray, right? Fact. We have a lot of it. A yeah. lot of it. Fact. Yeah. Thing, what is left from nuclear power stuff, it, it is left. We here in this country can't turn that into nice safe stuff that you put into a box and gaffer tape it up and leave it for a hundred thousand years right we have to and is that the low, lower enriched uranium yeah less less, less <laughs> enriched uranium which means that theoretically uh, someone could knock on the door of doom ray and and say oh excuse me can i come in please and just you know charge my phone up or something while someone nips around the back and nicks it all and, and this is this it. is a, a genuine it's a genuine threat, thing though, isn't it? and, uh, the stuff that's gone on in belgium recently horrible horrible stuff has revealed that some of the terrorists terrorist. Have you seen Team America World Police? Anybody know of any terrorist attacks coming up soon? Uh, some of them uh, were like had photos of nuclear workers in one of the power stations in Belgium, and apparently, formula a former nuclear worker in Belgium has left to gone to ISIS to go to ISIS. So it is a bit scary. Um, yeah. So yeah, problem, problem. problem. So well. uh, in America, we can't get we can't make it safer, but America can. So the idea is we ship. One half thousand tons of this shit over to America. <laughs> America, I don't know, runs it through a sieve or whatever it is they do. I don't, I don't know what you do. I don't even know how you enrich it in the first place. Never mind how you unenrich it. America then takes all the juice out of it, and then it turns it into stuff that you put into things like science. It turns into science. Mm. This is where I don't quite know what happens, and sends it back to your Belgians and your Frenchies who want to do like research that needs nuclear stuff. You know, like they're tracking what happens to cancer drugs around the body and all that sort of, yeah. kind of stuff that I don't understand. Um, and the idea is that the USA is in the middle of that. It then is nice and reassured that Mr. Isis hasn't got hold of it at any point and that all the nuclear unenriched stuff was unenriched by it and there's nothing left. That's your basic idea. This doesn't sound very basic. So just to just to sort of summarise, I can't summarise it, but it's not really babble, is it? It's not classic babble. I mean, it's not somebody trying to sound like a, a swampy, uh, hippie shirt, hair shirt, fleece wearing, gravy knitting, yogurt weaving, pinko, uh, but actually being evil. It it's just really confusing, isn't it? Yeah, it's really so confusing, sure. although. 
what they said was, we are taking some nuclear material and using it to cure cancer or something. <laughs> so it's bullshit. Which is, <laughs> which is bullshit. The way you could have written that press release would be to say, we are taking something that is a profound threat to global security, which is in Scotland, and we are sending it halfway across the world and back again <laughs> via a government that might have Donald Trump in charge of it very, very soon, um, so that they can hopefully work, keep it out of the hands of terrorists. And then maybe cure some cancer at the end. Yeah, okay. No, it is babble. It is babble. In half of the week. So, in half time. Mmm, favourite bit of the show. This is the section named after a senator in America called Jim Inhofe. And he mm. is a jerk. Oh, jerk, yes. Mm. Yes, he is a jerk. Um, mm. I've never totally been sure what a jerk is, but he is one anyway. Into like it. a douchebag. So he's the guy in ease that he thinks that climate change isn't happening because there's still snow. Uh, that's one, yep. That's, that's one, and yep. lots of other stuff as well. Mm. Um, yes, and what we do is we name uh, this section after him because we pick out other people who have been similarly Jerkish mm. over the last Jerky. over the last week or so, and this week, who is in Inhof Corner? Oh, uh, this week it is the wonderful British institution that is the Spectator magazine. Yeah, that voice of reason and all things left wing, by which I mean right wing. <laughs> That's right, um, and they have been. But actually, the heroes they are here as representatives of an ilk. Right, and the ilk is the febrile, horrible, knee-jerk, idiotic right-wing press who basically like to say that any time anything anywhere goes bad ever, it is the fault of trying to do something about climate change. Right, and that mm. is what the Spectator have done here. They have been talking about steel. Yeah, which has been big, big news. Like, I can't remember the time, a time recently when a, a sort of British industrial thing was quite so front and centre of the news pages. Well, the government has got to uh, stand up and be counted now. It's time to stop talking and take action. The government needs to sustain the UK steel industry. If it closes now, we could be into a cost of 1 to 1.5 billion a year just supporting people on welfare benefits, the collapse of local economies we saw over mining. The government will do everything it can, working with the company, to try and secure the future of steelmaking in Port Talbot and across our country. It's a vital industry. What is going on is that there is there has already been loads of jobs lost in UK steel over the last year, 18 months, something like that, because mm. of all sorts of Red reasons. Bridge? No, Redcar. Uh, Redcar, which yeah. is not a car, but it is a place up <laughs> in the north. Uh, they lost, I think, 2,500 jobs last year when a, the Tyone plant shut. And now, uh, in the last couple of weeks, the massive great plant in a place called Patalbert in South Wales, which is, I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever been to West Wales in a car, you've driven yeah, past yeah. it. Is that no, great, yeah. great big hulking behemoth, skulky great thing, which employs five and a half thousand people, forty thousand people rely on it in some form for jobs, and it's like one of the single most important places in the whole of Wales for employment, right? Yeah. And it is at risk of closure because its Indian owners, what are called Tatar, have said Tatar, hey. and they are uh, <laughs> first glib joke at the expense <laughs> of five thousand steel workers. Don't worry, I'm on your side. Five thousand steel workers have <laughs> um, flogged it off. Basically, they're in the process of flogging it off. And everyone's got very upset about it because your government, your Mr. George Osborne and your Mr. Sajid Javid, who is the business secretary, have done the square root of NAF all. 
Mm. And well, and, and have also pretended that they're very surprised by this turn of events. Awfully I mean, terribly, shocking. Ooh, terribly shocking. Goodness me, I was all the way in Australia, said Mr. Javid, and I wasn't expecting this at all. Where the spectator come in, and the right-wing press, is this, right? What has caused the decline of British steel. Now, what the spectator have said... Oh, well, you, you went to a posh school. You can do a spectator voice. I didn't go to a posh school. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Well, I mean, how do you define posh? The sort of school that you go to. <laughs> no, you're not letting you get away with this. How do you define posh? Is it a grammar school? No. Did you go to a comprehensive? Yes. Did you? Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, you know what one of them is? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. All right. You went to a I posh mean, university. <laughs> I did, yeah. Yes, so put on your best... Shut up and put on your best spectator voice, <laughs> um, the sort of voice you use for talking to mummy, and read out what it is the spectator have said. I call her Ma. Ma, Mater, um, <laughs> is, is, is to blame. What has the spectator said is to blame for the uh, collapse of UK Steel. Oh. Well, I'm not going to rise to that, and I'm going to talk in my normal voice, which, as it happens, is quite posh, so oh, everyone, doing, every, just everyone's happy. <laughs> uh, they have said the prospects for British factories will improve when we stop blaming mean the Chinese for being so competitive and realise that the problem lies not in Beijing but at the Treasury and the Department for Energy and Climate Change. So what they're getting at through their big flappy upper class gobs is they are saying the cause of this is climate policy specifically that the cause of this is your energy bills being really really high in the UK because of all these green taxes all on things making your energy intensive industry like steel uh, have to pay too much and that's why it's all shutting down that, that is, that is the argument. problem sorry to be stupid about this but that is a problem for these industries because they have to use a prodigious amount of energy to make their stuff like steel that's yeah. right yeah right yeah that's right. so the price of electricity is a huge input oh, a huge factor oh, 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 well ah, oh. now here is the first thing uh, well not electricity which, exactly yeah, not electricity yeah. that's the point but all of your big stinky climate levies uh, which actually the government is in the process of getting rid of anyway uh, are levied on electricity which is not mostly the thing that your coal-fired um smelty planty things um <laughs> what are they called still works still works um use they use like other stuff blast furnaces coke, don't they? coke. Uh, not the fizzy drink, although that probably would do quite well. Work, yeah, yeah. Um, but the uh, form of uh, whatever they do to coal to make it incredibly high temperature. Not exactly sure what it is. Take some of the oxygen out of it or something. Don't know. Yeah, it's clever shit, and it's really, really ground up, isn't it? It's a massive surface area, and yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're basically saying what's happening here is that the energy bills are, are very expensive, and that's why uh, UK still is uncompetitive. This is crap, right? <laughs> it is total, total bobbins. It's balderdash. It is nincompoopery of the highest order the reason and there is really only one that uk steel is up the swanee is because chinese steel isn't china makes something like oh i want to say 80 percent. it's a lot of the world's total amount of steel. And that amount that they've made has gone up hugely because over the last 10 years, as you may have noticed, China's been expanding its economy. And so the government's opened up all these steel plants and given them encouragements and built entire cities where they didn't exist before, made out of steel. And so there's this huge amount of steel being generated and suddenly the Chinese economy has started to slow down a bit and they've stopped building stuff and now they're trying to get the Chinese to buy trinkets instead. And so all this steel is sloshing around and the Chinese have basically just single-handedly brought the price of steel so low 
know that no other bugger can compete with it. That's what's going on. This has nothing very at serious. all. Very serious. I feel very sort of humble in this episode. Yes, so, you're you so serious. So you should, because you're bloody well learning something. Shut up and listen, <laughs> right? So, um, it's got nothing to do with climate policy. But the interesting thing, of course, is that as soon as there is the remotest possibility for people who don't like either A, the government intervening on something, or B, climate change, or usually both um, to kick a, you know the tiny tiny the one percent which is all it is of the total costs of running a steel plant which are down to climate levies as soon as there's any remote chance of kicking that all of your freaky gobmouths come out and they go <laughs> climate levies right that's what's happening it's bollocks let's move on yes uh okay so how do you make steel without using a huge amount of energy yeah, you don't. You need a huge amount of energy to make steel. Right. So then doesn't that mean that steel is a bit of a dodgy industry anyway? Don't we have to stop making steel? Uh, you Well, okay, let me ask you something. No, oh, no, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Oh, beautiful no, angel no, of, of... I'm not having that, because you're the one who knows about it. This no. week, I ask, I ask the questions, <laughs> okay? So I want to know, look, listen, I, I know this is a serious point. We have ridiculous metropolitan, middle-class, bike-folding, ludicrous jobs in an easy life. Bikes uh, made out of steel, yes? Yes, probably. Yes. Uh, and I mind's partly steel uh and we have no earthly idea what it feels like to be a steel worker or a family of steel worker facing this horror um on the horizon right we have no idea i get that and i have lots of sympathy but no empathy my point is i wanted to know right, my response to your question your question uh, was isn't should we stop making steel if we want to save the planet that was your question yeah, basically yeah yes so which i would answer what do you think would happen if we did right you may as well my question to you is should we stop the economy should we stop economic growth should we stop building things that need steel because that's what we do like we need wind turbines they use steel we need uh, railway lines instead yeah. of cars we need electric cars all the things that you like you like electric cars <laughs> We need foldy bicycles. They're made of steel. We need steel. It is a thing that we need. The world. Yeah. And if you actually want people to all live like you in a mud hut wearing scarves and singing Kumbaya all evening, then fine. But even your house, even your stinky wattle and daub palace on the north bank of London, even that's got some steel in it Where's somewhere. the north bank of London? I don't know. It's further, very far away from the south. <laughs> did you hear that, Gaff? Yeah, I did hear that. Did you hear that, sir? Yeah, I did hear that, Gaff. That London... Ew! So the pool's not good enough for you anymore, is that it? I suppose you've got a friggin' degree now, have you, right? Actually, one of the things that has happened is that your man who, at the time of recording the podcast, wants to buy uh, the Patorba plant, a man called Sanjeev Gupta, the uh, guy who it may or may not have the cash he's to do billionaire, so. He's a billionaire, isn't he? Well, he's a billionaire, but his companies don't appear to make a huge amount of profit, but that's a whole ah, separate one of thing. Billionaires. And please don't, please don't <laughs> sue us, Mr. Gupta, if that's wrong. But your man who wants, to, who wants to build it wants to stop making the sort of steel that you're talking about, the sort of very high, uh, incredibly polluting, the sort of thing that you know uses massive amounts of coal, and you have to bring the iron or in from the other side of the world and that's one of the reasons it's also expensive because you have to ship all this stuff in and stop essentially putting it in a fire and getting steel out the end of it which is what you do mm. instead he wants to well, that's, that's what they mean by blast furnaces that's basically is what it, it is yeah. 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 And instead he wants to do uh, these electric arc furnaces instead which is kind of basically the same principle you use electricity to make something very hot rather than using coal but you can't get it so hot but you can use 
old steel that you're finished with and melt it again and turn it into new steel. So he's going, that's what the UK should do. We should use steel that's already finished and melt it in this electric thing, which theoretically could be entirely green. Theoretically, in principle, you know, you could you could run if you're you know you're the one who says that solar panels are going to take over the world and all that sort of stuff. They're talking about building this great tidal lagoon thing just down the road in Swansea. So you could you know you could in principle at least run this thing entirely on renewable energy. Then you could make steel out of old steel. You didn't need no more using renewable energy and make steel out of it, right? Also, we didn't stop using flint because somebody sat down and said, right, we better invent bronze. We didn't stop using bronze because somebody sat down and said, right, we better invent steel, right? We stopped using those things because steel was better. So so this will happen. And, you know, maybe 50 years from now, we will look even at these new fangled ways of making steel and go, that's bonkers, right? But it doesn't help you with anything we're doing right now. And it certainly isn't an option to go, well, let's just let this industry that we need die decimating with it huge populations of wales's working class um and you know because one day we're going to have to invent stuff made out of mushrooms don't work so is this just about steel or are other industries knackered as well now i recognize that you said that the thing specifically about steel is that the chinese have been making far too much of it and therefore the price has gone down stupidly low right but energy is a factor. It is. Uh, and energy is obviously a big cost for things like ceramic industries or glass industries. Uh, are we going to see them going up the spout? Or is, is China doing the same? Is China just making all the ceramics and all the glass as well? What's going on? I don't know. And this is your Answer all my questions I, now. Well, I, this, I'm going to get a bit mealy-mouthy, right? Because we asked Kirsty this, didn't we? We asked... Um, so the, the school of thought that says... Your man Ken Clark uh, was the most recent Tory I heard talking about this. But there is there is a school of thought, including my mate, Big Dave, who says... Is that, that a real person? Big Dave is a... Yes, he's a real oh, person. Right. I'm little Dave, and I'll show you why <laughs> later. Um, Um, There is a school of thought that says, look, we're never going to be able to compete with these massive great plants of globally traded kit with a country like China that pays its workers a lot less, that is heavily state subsidised and has huge volume. We're never going to do it. We may as well stop trying to fight. What are we doing trying to keep a plant alive in that sort of current thing, even if this plant can become competitive tomorrow, even if the price of Chinese steel levels out or the EU puts tariffs on it or all the stuff that might happen. Oh, um, can I just... I'm, I'm really sorry to interrupt, but wasn't there something amazing on the whole tariff front? Didn't... At the same nuclear conference we were talking about in sustainable of the week didn't david cameron sort of take the chinese premier aside and say now listen here you got to do something about the cost of steel and he responded by putting a 48 percent tariff on the on the import of british steel pretty much yes <laughs> that's yes. amazing yeah and the people who that say tells you something about the state of the world doesn't it, it, it? does rather and 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 um uh, I'm not going to finish the point I was making before because this is more interesting. It's all about China. The whole thing is about China. Your man, Mr. Osborne, uh, as we discussed in episode 27, go back and listen to that, which is about China, has got his head wedged so far up the bottom of Mr. Xi, the Prime Minister of China, that literally he would do anything rather than tell him to bugger off. Not going to mention his human rights record, not going to try and get the EU to increase tariffs on Chinese steel, going to keep building Hinkley even though it's stupid, and going to let the Chinese single-handedly kill the Welsh steel industry. So that's what's going on. Is Mr. Osborne has gone, look, let's face it, unless we are friends with those guys in the 21st century, we are buggered, right? And I'm not, necess- not necessarily wrong, 
but that's what's at the heart of what you're arguing, yes? That mm. um, China is, you know, what is the point of trying to compete with China on stuff that they want to be the best at? Instead, let's, com- let's find something that, that we want to be the best at. And I don't know, it might be right. That could be right, right? Mm. What I do know is there are things we could be doing and have been doing for ages to keep the people in Wales in the steel industry in work, like, as you asked me a long time ago, you know, make, doing more to make sure that the steel that we use here is British. Mm. There's some tricky things with the EU on that, like, you know, what you're allowed to sort of require and what you're not, but you could get around it by saying it must be lower carbon and then you could use it from electric arc furnaces and that could be a thing you could do. Or or you could get around it by leaving the EU. Yes, or you could. And of course, yes, just as with predictable uh, predictability, your people have come out and said this is all to do with climate change. They've also come out and said it's all to do with Europe. You are allowed under EU state aid law to bail out a bank. You're allowed to do that. You weren't before 2008. Somebody decided in 2008 maybe they better change that rule. Uh, change the rule, you can bail out a bank. You are allowed to nationalise anything else. And some countries have tried it. Italy has tried to bail out one of its steel plants. Belgium's had a go at giving some money to one wow. of its. And the European Commission has gone, what the hell do you think you're doing? Come here and be roundly spanked on the bottom, right? So the government is saying, it's probably vaguely right-ish, that they couldn't nationalise it if they wanted to. And then they argue, what's the point of nationalising something that's losing a million pounds? a day right you can debate that should it there are all sorts of ways it could help it in the short term it's doing the barest minimum now by belatedly mr javid the business secretary standing up and saying uh oh no come on tata don't be dicks uh, give us a while we're going to find a buyer right so, so that's, doing- that's literally all they're doing they're just kind of it's well, behind the- closed doors negotiations saying to tata just stop it! Don't sell. Don't sell yet. We're going to find a solution. There's no measure. There's no instrument they're using to well, uh, change not, things around. It's- not that I know of, um, and I. No one seems to quite know what it is they would be potentially allowed to do to bail Tatter out. The Scottish government apparently acted as this intermediary for about three minutes in between the transfer of money from someone who was selling a, a plant up there and they, they went through the Scottish government and into someone else for some complicated reason. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't understand it, right? Should the government do all it can to allow this industry time to move to new processes and try and get the jobs going and see if the workers can buy it out or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly what it's allowed to do, not totally sure, but saying, oh, we can't do anything, Gov, is not not what they did with the banks. Well, that's good, isn't it? So, in summary, the spectator are a bunch of dicks. Uh, China's going to boss the world, as we knew. George Osborne loves China, and everyone in Wales is buggered. years and years and years and years and years and years and years people have talked about climate change people like you floppy head (laughs) white middle class people in nice offices in london have looked at graphs and they've gone well it's the area under the graph that matters and what we need to do is set this target for the year 2090 and we need to have this subsidy and we need to have this policy type stuff and everyone's gone yeah fine all right give me that husky up i'll hug it give me that bit of paper i'll sign up to it whatever climate change we'll deal with that right you are now at the point where with things like energy costs and stuff like that where actually there is politics going on 
now where people may lose their jobs or may not lose their jobs, or it may be appear, more importantly, that they're losing their jobs, even though climate levies aren't really relevant here. The politics is that there are people who are going, that's because of climate change that those people are losing their jobs, right? And that's going to happen all over the place. And there are now sort of people who like work in Aberdeen in the oil industry or work in mm. places in Yorkshire where all the coal plants are going to shut in a few months, isn't it? Yeah. And there are places who are, who are much well, more directly... Scotland just have shut as well, yeah. Right, we are, yeah. And much more directly than uh, the sort of tenuous link to climate stuff, which isn't really real in, in the steel industry, um, is that st- people will lose their jobs. And unless you do something about that, unless you go to those people and go, sorry, right, don't freak out. We've got something better that we think you'd like to do. Here, I'll go and do this cool thing. Or go and build a tidal lagoon in, in Swansea or go and build a shitload of offshore wind farms. Or and that, yeah. Obviously, you know, that's an incredibly crass and generalistic way of looking at it. But actually, basically, you know, unless you actively do something about that, then people are going to resist it. If they resist it, it won't happen. It will become a lot harder. We've got to change our economy in all sorts of ways. Who knows what it will look like in 50 years? But it, you can't do it just by going to people, that thing you work in, we don't want that anymore. Sorry. Things that make you go, hmm. Got a headline for you, Dave. <laughs> go on. Uh, radioactive wild boar roaming Fukushima countryside. Oh, right, good. Well, this sounds like splendid news. Yes, well, we have been talking about um, something that needs rivets, steel, that's riveting. So now let's talk about something with bores. That's boring. Yes? Should we do oh, that? Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. okay riveting, yeah. riveting and boring. Yeah, well, and to, to link back to the, uh, the intro, this is the thing that made my bottom fall out when I read it. Uh, <laughs> uh, fall out is the link. Yes. Because, well, it is true. Apparently, communities in northern Japan are being like completely overrun by a radioactive bores. Uh, we, we have talked in a previous episode about how Fukushima, have, no, about Chernobyl having been left the hell alone, uh, meaning that the wildlife has thrived and obviously humans not interacting, so therefore they can just get on and have a lovely time. That appears to be happening in Fukushima a little bit as well, except they're not staying there, these wildlife. <laughs> these are wild boars, they're breeding like wild boars, and they're going to places where humans who don't want to be in Infected by radiation are and they want to be infected what do you think happens do you think a radioactive wild boar goes up to a human who doesn't got radioactivity in them and gives them radioactivity is that what you think happens and they shag their leg like a little and then, they, and then they grow eight arms and then they start climbing up That's the side science, of the building Dave don't question it uh, yes, and um, well, what's going on is that they can't kill them quick enough. Uh, there's there's so many of these things that people are desperately trying to shoot them uh, and capture them. The hunters are going round, and and they can't do it quick enough. Let not only that. But the ones that they do kill, they can't dispose of quick enough. They've even gone to the lengths. I'm just going to read you out some of my favourite quotes. And I'm not going to... This is from the Times, isn't this it? This is from the Times, yeah. I read the Times. I take the Times. Uh, and yeah, favourite quotes include... Uh, Hunters are shooting the balls as fast as they can, but local cities are running out of burial space and incinerator capacity to dispose of their corpses. Uh, three mass graves with a capacity of 600 balls each are almost full. And this is my favourite one. Municipal incinerators have been used to dispose of the balls, but there is a shortage of personnel needed to perform the gruelling and messy job of chopping the 100 kilogram animals up into pieces small enough to go into the furnaces. Local hunters have buried the corpses in their own gardens, but found them dug up by scavenging dogs or infested with maggots. 
So that's all I really wanted to say on this. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what it tells us about humanity or the environment, but it's very weird. Reasons to be cheerful. So, reasons to be cheerful. Ah, oh, yes. And we said in episode 49 that we were very sorry that we were banging on about everything which is really gloomy. And we promised, we absolutely promised to be positive in this episode. So, here are some things that we're not going to talk about. And that is the reason to be cheerful. The cheerful thing is we're not going to talk about these awful, awful stories. Let's do them in order, Dave. Uh, I'll take the first one. Um, an incredibly rare rhino... He's, he's dead. The first Sumatran rhino found in Borneo in 40 years has died. Your turn. Okay, uh, tigers uh, are now extinct in Cambodia and they are having to work out how to bring them back. There are no tigers what live in Cambodia anymore. Very nice. Okay, uh, the world's largest great ape, uh, the Grua, uh, Grower Gorilla. Uh, yeah, that's being wiped out by war. Oh, okay, fine. Um, and 150,000 penguins are dead um, because an iceberg broke off from uh, Antarctica the size of a city or something. And it's really sad. And marooned yeah, them. Sorry, not allowed to talk about it. And marooned yeah, them and marooned yeah. them from all their food. So these penguins got on the other side of this massive iceberg and they're all starved to death. Bye, penguins. Not talking about that. Not no, talking no. about that. And the final thing we're not talking about is that, um, well, global warming might be far worse than people previously thought because all of the clouds contain much more water than, than ice and therefore temperatures will, be, will get higher. Anyway, not talking about that. Um, so I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm thoroughly cheered up. I mean, hugely cheered up. And all I'd like to thank you for making it all the way to episode 50 of Sustainable. And I sincerely hope you hang around for one more. Okay. Take each episode as it comes. <laughs> That is just about it. That is just about it. Oh, God. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, sorry. That's just about it. Hooray. Yay. More next week. That is it for Sustainable 50. Thank you, as ever, uh, Dave, but particularly this episode for knowing so much about why steel's knackered. Uh, that's very, very good. And, um, yeah, please come back to tell us why something else is knackered next week. I shall. Thank you all for being a beautiful and unique snowflake. Thank you, as always, to the magnificent Arabella for so ably reading out the babble and to Dickie Moore for the wonderful music that starts and ends and intertwinkles this here venerable podcast. Now, new bit, new bit, so don't, don't, don't stop listening. We haven't sort of petered out yet. We wanted to say hello to some listeners because we've got some lovely emails this week. Yay! Really First person to say hello to is to the lovely Manda Scott. She sent us some excellent emails um, all about that, their tea tip and some other stuff. Um, and we just want to say thank you. It's really nice. And thank you to Jason Bower, basically, for being a creep. But it's lovely. <laughs> thank you. I think we should have Creeps Corner. Jason, you're a massive creep, but we love you oh, too. Thank you, for, thank you for Jason listening. Jason sent a very nice... Jason did what I wish loads of people would do. He basically said... There, there are people listening like we are here and we, we are here. quite enjoy it and thanks. I don't think he's related to either of us so no. uh, thanks Jason um, and a massive shout out we have been asked to give a shout out to what, who are someone I know for a fact is one of the Babble's original fans to Gwen who is going off to that stinky Brussels where the Eurocrats yeah. live and she's going off to work in Europe and, there, I know, and her boyfriend Tom who is also long standing Babble friend wants to wish her all the very best as do we 
Good luck, Gwen. Have a lovely time. Don't don't stay there too long. Come back. Anyway, uh, we will be back next week for Sustainababble 51. As always, if you uh, would like to get in touch with us, do drop us an email, as our creeps have, to hello at sustainababble.com. <laughs> Such an <laughs> ass. <laughs> to, uh, uh, get in touch with us on Twitter at The Babble Wagon or find us on Facebook. Just search Sustainababble. And if you like what you hear and you can't be bothered to send us an email telling us how much you like us, do at least give us a review on your favourite podcast medium of choice. But realistically, we all know that means iTunes. Very good. Right, that's enough of this. I'm off to pick up the pieces of my bottom that were on the floor. Bye. Bye. Hey, oh, 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 oh. What? Oh. What? Oh. No. Hey, oh. I don't care. Oh. What? Oh. God, that's oh. such a specific smile. <laughs> like every little bit of your skin creases up with excitement. Oh. oh, why shouldn't you wear Ukrainian underpants? Chernobyl fallout. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that was coming and I knew that as a punchline, but I still find it funny.